Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Hi everyone, Danny Prince here. Welcome to another Hawks Insiders Trade Period Safe Space. We're calling this one the Jack Ginevan Edition. Um, we welcome everybody into the space this evening and we look forward to chatting all things Hawthorne, all things draft and all things um, penultimate day of trade period. So um, looking forward to getting stuck into it. First things first, I'm going to introduce my co-host. After um, sorry, we just got a couple of technical. Can everybody hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just Nat. <laughs> Nat's yelling at me in the background. Sorry, sorry, guys. That's a great start. Let's uh, start afresh. Um, we've got a few outs, a few laid outs this evening. Um, so we've got Nat and AJ back on deck here with Brad and Mora. Bradley, welcome to you first and foremost. How are you? Hello, exciting news. Jack Ginevin, or Ginevin, as some call him, will be a Hawk tomorrow. 99% sure, four-year deal, he will be a Hawk. So I think majority will be excited. I know there'll be a few who won't uh, like it, but I'd be very surprised. If it doesn't happen, he met with Sam Mitchell at the club this morning. Uh, Hawthorne have offered uh, Jack a four-year deal. Mad Hawthorne supporter growing up, had Cyril's number on his back, and I would be very surprised if he doesn't become a Hawk. I think it'll be for our pick 33. So hopefully that happens tomorrow. I want to start off the top, off the top Bradley. Um, so we know you are the king of pronunciation. When everybody says Jager, you say Jager. What are you going with for Ginevan or Ginevan? Uh, Ginevan. All right. So, Ginevan, but we'll so the rest Ginny. of us will say Ginevan? Yeah, Ginevan. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, good to have you, mate. Uh, Mora, welcome to you. Thank you very much. I reckon I'm going to be one of the ones that Brad was talking about just, just before. Not... Not overly enthused by the uh, proposition. Not that he's not a good player. No, that's I good. just, I think we need to have this this kind of perspective. So uh, hold that thought, Mara. Yeah. We, will, we will be unpacking Ginevan Ginevan in a in a few minutes. So um, let's get back to you on that one in a minute. Uh, Nat is having some technical issues, so he's going to leave the space and come back, and hopefully he can hear us. Um, AJ, welcome to you. Brad says we're getting JG. The question is, are we also getting JG tomorrow? Yeah, that's right. They're a package deal, apparently. You get one JG, you get you get them both. So uh, we'll get through that and hopefully all things being equal at the end of trade period. About this time tomorrow night, we'll be having a conversation to discuss uh, all of the ins from the Hawthorne perspective. Uh, somebody who I'm really keen to get the perspective of, Nat, you can hear us now. Welcome to you, mate. 
Yeah, mate. Sorry about that. Uh, a few technical difficulties. I could hear people replying but not hear you. So that probably isn't the greatest way to run a podcast. No, it's, not a, it's not a bad thing, to be honest. Oh, mate, you've got, you've got dulcet tones. I could listen to you all day. Um, no, yeah. thanks for having me on. Big day. Big, big day. Um, big day. Yeah, very, very happy with the news today. Um, I think this, uh, if it goes through, adds a real dimension to us. So very pleased. For you to go head-to-head with Mora very shortly on Jack Inovan. So before we get started, a couple of housekeeping things. Um, just make sure that, hey, we want to have as many of you guys jump in and contribute tonight as possible. So if you've got a question, jump on, request to speak. I will throw you in there. We'll get your airtime. You can say your piece. You might be for, against, on the fence um, for Jack Inovan, uh, Jack Dunstan, Brandon Ryan, Mubby or Chol, whoever you're thinking. Um, we would love to hear from you. So jump on and request to speak. Also chuck your questions in the chat and we will answer those as we go as well. Um, one other thing before we get stuck in, Ash, Ash's first of his tri- uh, triple article piece seri- mini series was out the other day. His second one is due to drop tomorrow. Uh, this will be uh, best 22 of the in-betweeners. So those that have kind of, come to the Hawks and been mediocre to solid without being exceptional or terrible. So um, I think that was the one he had the most trouble with. Uh, so that'll be a really interesting read. So your feedback on that would be appreciated. So Can we do that one tonight as well, Danny? A couple of nights ago, we, we said our best trade. Can we now do our mediocre trade? One thing? Yeah, just, just got the it. job if everybody, done. If everybody uh, wants to give me theirs, AJ, you can start. Go for it. Who, who well, came in and just got the job done? Whilst we love him, we were talking earlier about something that uh, Swampy had tweeted, that in 2015, in the uh, qualifying final, Hawthorne had 21 of 22 of the 2014 grand final side playing. The one that was missing was Matt Spanger. Now, Spang... Is an icon. We all love him, but yeah, he was a perfectly serviceable player when we look back at it without the rose-coloured glasses on. He did his job, did his job very well and ended up with a premiership medal. Bradley, uh, do you have a name for this list? What was the list? I missed that one. I wasn't part of that one the other night. What was right. the list? The, so the Ashes in between is uh, best 22. So a trade from a Hawthorne perspective, a player that's come into the club... Um, that you think sort of wasn't a star but wasn't terrible, just kind of mediocre. Oh yeah, I do. I don't mind that one. I actually loved Spanger. I thought he was an. I thought he was a really decent uh, player. He played his role really, really well. I don't mind that one. Uh, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you by the end of tonight's episode. No worries. No worries. Uh, Nat, have you got one for us? Yeah, a bit left field, a bit retro with this one because uh, he was an absolute superstar at Adelaide. But I love Sean Wren. When he came to us in 2001, um, not a world beater by that stage, but an extremely serviceable ruckman and helped us get to a prelim. So, uh, pretty good resume, that. Absolutely. What about you, Mara? Have you got any any favourites, personally? Yeah, I was thinking back to when I started watching footy, and there's one player, I didn't realise he was only at the Hawks for a couple of years, but I thought he was one of the best kicks we had while he was there. And I'm talking about Simon Cox. Good one. We got from good the Bulldogs. One. And he, he, I thought he had a really good kick. I, I don't know if he was particularly great at anything else, but, you know, he was kind of like a Clarkson selection way before Clarko ever got there. 100%. I, I was actually a massive Simon Cox fan. I don't know why. I think it was just the way that he just leathered those left foot kicks. I think I thought he was uh, 
Very underrated. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, and I don't know, AJ, you'll probably pull me up on this. Was Jack, was uh, Jonathan Simpkin a trade or was he a delisted free agent? I reckon he was a DFA, but I'm happy to take that. Well, if you're happy, you are the judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, you called me out last. Oh, time. You got me Let questioning me... it now. I'm gonna look it you up. Got... <laughs> um, I reckon. Uh, I reckon Jonathan Simpkin was very serviceable. Serviceable. I heard he was a little bit better off the park than he was on it. But um, yeah, he was. He was a decent pickup for the Hawks at that stage, and you know, got got about and was a really good depth player at the stage. But nothing special. Anyway, we'll move on, and um, don't worry about. Uh, fact-checking us on that one. We'll do a quick um, trade wrap of week two, day two. Um, two deals, one official, one the AFL, I think, is just holding on to because they can. Uh, Shane McAdam went to Melbourne for a future second. Nat, I just want to get your opinion on that. A future second for Shane McAdam, who's 27 and has played six games. Yeah, it's a massive, massive price to pay. Um, I mean, I know Melbourne are desperate for a forward. We, we all saw what um, that cost them in the finals, their uh, inability to convert inside 50. Potentially cost them a premiership without wanting to get too uh, without getting too dramatic. I mean, they get past Collingwood in that first week, which they should have. They have 30 more inside 50s and they get a home prelim. Um, but yeah, it's just an enormous price to pay. I mean, if it was 22, maybe, but not 28. It's Yeah, they're obviously very, very desperate for some firepower up forward. Yeah, that's kind of my take on it as well. But it seems like future seconds are just getting thrown around everywhere at the moment um, in terms of being the deal uh, or the piece that makes deals happen. And we'll get on to Brandon Ryan shortly. Um, the other one was a comp- really complicated 14 trade or p- proposed trade that effectively saw uh, Nick Caulfield go to the Dogs, uh, Paddy Dow go to the Saints and just a bunch of random picks flying around everywhere. Um, a lot of it from the Blues perspective were future picks that they can stockpile for the Camperiali twins um, or Scott Camperiali twins um, who come through next year as father-son prospects. And at least one of them is supposed to be very, very good. So um, they'll need all the picks that they can get. Um, one uh, of them was best on ground in the yep. Futures game on grand final day, weren't they? Yep, yep. Very good player. I can't remember which one. Um, but uh, the yeah, one on the left. Thanks, AJ. Yeah. <laughs> Great in an audio medium. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think from from that perspective, that'll go through as soon as it can. It's ready to rock and roll. Um, thoughts on Paddy Dow, Brad, as a St Kilda team that lacks skilled kickers, bringing in Paddy Dow, who's an atrocious kicker of football. Yeah, I think I think he just looks like a St Kilda type of player. He does. I, don't know what I just think he's a typical St Kilda pickup. I thought his back half of last year, he actually played some really good games after Carlton. He was, I think, pick three in the draft. He was highly rated. I think he was rated as the best midfielder in his draft, but that was a really, really poor draft. I think that was the draft uh, Lockie O'Brien Carlton took as well, I think, with pick 10. So it was a poor draft for Carlton. Yeah, that was a weak draft. But I just look at Dow. I I, I think he'll be a serviceable player. But I don't think he's the type of place in Kilda need. You see, you know, they've got a lot of those inside mids with Brad Crouch, Jack Steele, Zach Jones, Jack, um, Seb Ross. I just think he's a similar type of player. So um, good luck to St Kilda. They obviously think they can turn him into the player Carlton tried to turn him into. He did show the type of player he could become. But uh, for us, um, I think he's. I think James Warple is that type of player that he's going to play for St Kilda. 
I just think Warple's a much better type. I think Warple's a much better player. Uh, massive loss for your Blues or not really at all? Nah, Carlton's uh, midfield's incredibly strong, so he wouldn't have got a game for them uh, uh, next season anyway. Zach Williams will be back from his ACL, and I think Williams will play more midfield for Carlton next year. Uh, before we move off your, your Blue Baggers, uh, Elijah Hollands for basically uh, a, a slice of burnt toast. Um, I think that's a really, really good deal. What yes, he is a quality player. He's going to be an excellent pickup for Carlton. He's an upgrade on Fogarty and uh, Cunningham, who are both, I think, decent players, quality players who played a lot last year. But I think Hollands is going to be a, yeah, a big steal in the draft. I think he was a highly rated junior. For whatever reason, couldn't get into the Suns team under Stewie Jew. Probably similar to um, uh, Flanders, to Sam Flanders, who at the end of the year, the last six to eight weeks was unbelievable. And I think Hollands will be a quality high half forward for Carlton. Sam Flanders, coincidentally, the one that I suggested about four weeks into the year, the Hawks should be all over. Yeah. And then bloody Stewie Jew had to go and get the sack. And then. I oh, know. And, and then everybody realized how good Sam Flanders actually is. Yeah, 30, what he averaged over 30 touches 30 a game touches. the last yeah. eight weeks. Yeah, that hurts because I reckon he would have been available too. Yeah. Um, and we know the Hawks love their Gippsland boys. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, why everybody is here and what we're here to talk about tonight is the absolute plethora of trade rumours that have come around and about surrounding the Hawks and their deals that need to be done ahead of tomorrow night's closing of the trade period. So, boys, I want to get your perspective first and foremost on the big news um, that broke earlier today. I think it was uh, Sam Edmund and Tom Morris, I think, originally broke it and then expanded on by Cal Toomey, Riley Beveridge, uh, Mitch Cleary, and basically anybody uh, in the journalistic space that Jack Ginevan uh, has been shopped by Collingwood and that Hawthorne or Collingwood are the only two places he will be come Eight o'clock tomorrow night. So, um, AJ, your initial thoughts before we get into a Nat versus Mora standoff? It's a funny one because if um, in the WhatsApp group of you, myself, and Nat, we kind of said early in the trade period after the short thing went down, there was a long-going discussion for the next few days afterwards saying, this is what we should do if Jack Ginevan's not available. And it kept kind of just popping up here and there. So when the news came through today, as you said, um, was broken on trade radio by Sammy Edmund this afternoon. He basically, it moved. So this is the thing that shocked me is how quickly it moved. It went from uh, our old friend Graham Wright yesterday saying that no, no one's talked to us. No one's happening. There's nothing going to happen. Then by midday, there was a murmur. By one o'clock, it was, yeah, he's looking at clubs. He's potentially... Uh, being looked at and then 15 minutes later it's like yeah he's already been out to Hawthorne he's met with Sam Mitchell he's done all this he's done all that then we had the, the post on Instagram of him back at um, the the AIA centre I think Colin would call it now and then a couple of minutes later it's yes his management have told Collingwood that they're looking into trades and then has he requested a trade hasn't he requested a trade it's been a day of not being able to really think about how much of an addition he's going to be to the football club because there's been so much chaos around whether this trade's going to happen or not. I think it's a great pick. I think it's such a good get for this footy club. We, um, I think you made the point on Twitter earlier, Danny, that it's 
you lose Tyler Brockman and you're getting back a younger player who's actually proved that he can do what we wanted Brockman to do. Um, that was that's the best analogy I can get. And you've got a young small forward who, you know, let's call a spade a spade. Jack has some attitude issues and they're very well acknowledged and out in the open. You're putting him into a forward line where not only is he going to learn his craft, but he's going to learn professionalism and his attitude from a guy by the name of Luke Bruce which is not a bad place for anyone to learn. I cannot I cannot give you a downside to this if it gets done. All right. One man that I think can give us a downside to this if it gets done is the one and only Simon Morowitz. Before we get into it, Mora, um, Will Day spoke to the Hawks insiders a couple of times throughout the year. The last couple of times we spoke to him, we talked about the fact that the players at the Hawks generally get info on players they're chasing about a day or so ahead of news breaking. It would have been very, very interesting, um, Will Day, getting that information while he was watching Jackson Ross punting uh, for, I think, is it Tennessee that he plays for uh, over in the college football system over there. So um, go on, Mora. I want you to give us the against case for Jack Gittivan. Well, uh... I think it's been touched on a little bit and I think it's pretty obvious because I'm not here to argue against his football credentials. Um, the, 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 the funny thing for me was it went on, on the um, AFL website in their attempt to clickbait. The headline said, surprising new home um, emerges for Ginevan. And I'm thinking it's barely surprising. He's a massive Hawthorne fan. It's the one club that doesn't have a small forward and could, you know, anyone with legs could get into that forward line right now. If you really thought about it for two seconds, you'd say, well, it's Hawthorne. And there's just no, it, it's a good, he's a good player. It's a good fit. It's what we need. There's, there's no argument against that. The problem is I just don't like him. He's just really unlikable. And, and every time I watch him, I just want bad things to happen to him. And now I'm supposed to say, all right, well, go this guy. Like, let's get 30, 40 goals out of Jack Ginnivan and get his stupid celebrations and his little shush to the crowd and whatever. Like, I just don't want to support this guy. So I'd love um, for him to win me over. I'd say, you know, 30, 40, 50 goals will, will go some way towards doing that. Um, and I would love, you know, Luke Bruce to, to pull him in line. But it's... It's a worry because we are a little bit lacking in, I'm not going to say leadership because we have young leaders, but we are, we're, we're not a mature group. We're still a, a learning, building group. And I don't know if they I mean, if we had Luke Hodge, he would grab him by the collar and pull him in line every time he acted like a douche. But I'm not sure that we really have that sort of leadership at the moment. And I'm concerned. Mara, what if the Hawks insiders buy your son, Joel, a Jack Ginevan-numbered shirt for next year? Will you become a fan then? You could not possibly be so cruel. <laughs> it might be on the Christmas list already. Um, before Look, we get um, to I'm, you, in, I'm in danger of losing Joel to uh, any number of other clubs. So if you want to buy him a jumper, you can put any number you want on it. <laughs> just, give, just give him your awesome tie. Before we get to you, AJ, uh, Dom, I have a feeling I know Dom's position on this. Thanks for jumping on, Dom. The floor is yours. Thanks, Hawks Insiders. Uh, good to be here again. Uh, and as always, love your work. Uh, my thoughts on Jack Ginevan, uh, I just don't think he's mentally there. Uh, and as bad as that sounds, I just don't. I question his desire to want to be successful as an AFL footballer. 
like I watch him play and you know he run, he runs around in the long sleeves I just I just don't think he he has a desire or he has a passion to play the game um, and as you mentioned Danny uh, my position you know me and my love for Nick Watson uh, I, I just think Nick Watson is such a such a you know unique prospect and uh, such a good player in the making. Um, I just think he's he's a better prospect, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Nick, every time he touches the ball, he's just exciting. He's deadly agile. He's very quick. Uh, Jack Inovan, he just hasn't got those weapons. He, he kicked his 40 goals off, off ducking, um, and now that's gone out the window. He's not in, you know, Collingwood's best 23 anymore. Um, so that's just my perspective. And, yeah, I, I basically just question whether or not he's all there. And if he wants to be a good AFL footballer, Alistair Clarkson, is that you with the long sleeves issue? Um, <laughs> uh, nah, look, it's it's fine. You're you're definitely entitled to your opinion. Um, I'm going to throw to Nat Martin before I say anything. Nat, can you give a case against what Mora and Dom just said? Yeah, I can. I, I think with Ginevan, we've got to remember people need to remove his antics at times and both off and on field. The kid is 20. He's 20, he's 20 years old. He kicked – he had 59 shots at goal last year in a team that made a prelim final at the age of 19. I mean, that that doesn't grow on trees. And you can't – yeah, I, I think Watson's a gun too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, with the draft pick, it reminds me of that scene out of The Simpsons, you know. Like, you can have the washer and the dryer or you can take what's on this box. You don't know what you're going to get with a draft pick. And with Ginevan, like, yes, he's got a few issues, but I actually think our group being so young is almost a good thing because they're all of the same age and they can be quite understanding to things that he's going through. And you can't tell me that the professionalism of someone like a Day, a Warple, a Connor Nash, Finn McGuinness isn't going to be a good thing around him. I'm not saying Colin was not a professional environment. Like, of course it is. They won the premiership. But the leaders that are around the same age might actually have a bit more of a cut through with this kid as opposed to, you know, like Darcy Moore's obviously in his late 20s, Pendlebury's mid-30s with kids, that sort of stuff. So I, I certainly think, I actually don't mind a bit of spice on the footy field. I actually think his celebrations and him carrying on like a bit of a pork chop at times, as long as it doesn't take away from the team's performance, is actually quite a good thing. I think from a marketing point of view, it's massive for the club as well. And the, the marketing department's going to absolutely love having Jack Inman running around a horse on long sleeve. And I just think he makes us better. So, yeah, it reminds me a bit of the old um, Shotgun Williams with the, the dreadlocks, the long hair and the long sleeves back in the uh, mid-2000s. So I, I can't see too many negatives to it. I, I certainly think it's worth doing if it's a future second that we get potentially from the lines for Ryan. If that ends up going down, I think that's a massive win. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my case for him. AJ, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I um, I don't know about the comment about he's not in Collingwood's best 23. He was in the starting 22 when they won a premiership a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not sure about that. Um, I know this was a year and a half ago now, but I don't see how anyone can watch the way he played on Anzac Day in 2022. I forgot what year it is. Um, how anyone can watch that 2022 Anzac Day game and not look at this kid and say there's something there and we've got to try and harness it. Um, yeah, that, we, we, we all know there's off-field issues. There's definitely issues there that need to be worked on. But 
we've heard that about other players at our club at different stages, and we saw them turn around. For example, there was a, there was a young 21-year-old player who missed a training session once and got dropped and went on to captain this club to three premierships. Young people make mistakes. They have attitude problems sometimes, and their professionalism is sometimes lacking. You work with those players, and you find a way to make them better. And I, 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 as I said, I don't see a downside. And God forbid it doesn't work out, we're going to lose a, a future second by the sounds of it all. I think Brad mentioned it's possibly uh, um, this year's second. It's not a lot to give up for a, a tremendous upside. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and I've actually got a text here from my mate who's a Bomber supporter, but he always listens in um, because he's a good bloke. And he's actually said um, there's an absence of chat about Mitchell's ability to coach and lead Ginevan. As a Hawks fan, he'd have Mitchell on a pedestal. At the same time, Mitchell would have that confidence in leading anyone. So, you know, from that perspective, Brad, um, maybe Sam Mitchell is the best coach to get the best out of Jack Ginevan as a player. Absolutely. And uh, like I mentioned uh, before, he grew up a mad Hawthorne supporter. I think uh, the respects are going to be there and maybe... Uh, McRae, who was an unbelievable coach, but maybe he wasn't the right type of coach for Jack. And I think Sam seems to be a lot harder, but I think maybe Jack will uh, respect Sam more. He's obviously going to be locked into our best 22. He'll play each week. I know he played in the grand final for Collingwood, but took him till the end of the season to get back into the side. So he'll consistently be in Hawthorne's best side. Our forward line is incredibly poor at the moment. We don't have a locked-in best six at the moment. And I think uh, AJ mentioned before, could have been Nat, to learn off someone like a Luke Bruce, I think is absolutely perfect for him. Uh, Dylan Moore is still very young, but Dylan Moore is also the type of player who he can learn quite a lot from. And I think they'll form a really good uh, unit for next season. Like you put, um, you know, Ginevan in with Luke Bruce, Dylan Moore, uh, Connor McDonald will obviously be there as well. I think Sam Butler's the one as well. I think, unfortunately for Sam, he'll start the season at Box Hill if Jack uh, Ginevan comes in, which is looking very uh, likely. But, you know, all of a sudden in that small forward role, it's an important uh, role. We have a bit of depth. You know, we've got uh, O'Sullivan, uh, Bennett's as well, who are coming through. They'll probably both play, you know, five or so games next season. But I think, yeah, Univin is definitely going to make us a better side next year and beyond. It will be a four-year deal. So, you know, Sam and the club, you know, have to give um, him, you know, a long deal, similar to Mario Chol, who we've given a four-year deal with the fifth-year trigger. But we've got the cap space. We've got uh, the room. Like uh, Nat said, I think, um, as well, like it's going to cost us a second-round pick. It's uh, worth it. And I'm just going to jump in. I know a couple of people had their hands up and they're, and they're going to do it. But um, I just want to say that, the, like, like Brad just said, it's very important to have depth in that position. And, and if we get Ginevan, there's no reason why we can't get Watson in the draft. I mean, that it, we're, we're not forbidden from taking both of them. It's not going to happen, unfortunately. A lot of people like uh, Watson, but Hawthorne will be taking uh, Dersma if he's available. I think uh, Watson's going to slide um, to pick, uh, I reckon, six or seven. So I think we'll be taking Dersma, um, and it looks like he's going to be available at our pick. 
Uh, Dom, uh, right of reply before we move on to Stuart and Dan. Yeah, I was just going to say, you guys make really good points, you know, for the case of bringing Jack Kinnivan. And I apologise if I came across in a way where, you know, I, I didn't want him. Um, yeah, I, I just think a future second might be a bit too much for him or a second rounder. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think or my perspective is I'm not expecting too much from him. Um, so, you know, if you... If you're expecting 40 goals from him next year, I just, yeah, I think that's a bit of a far cry. It's, uh, it's a bit, you know, unrealistic. Uh, but, yeah, just not expecting too much. Um, but if he, if he, if he uh, en- ends up at Waverley, I'm not complaining as well. Uh, hope he proves me wrong. Um, but, yeah, I-, I still think, you know, Nick Watson's a really good prospect and I sincerely hope that we do take him. Um and, you know, if he's working with Jack Inovan, uh in a few months' time, that would, you know, not be the end of the world. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Dom. What I will say is we've seen Tyler Brockman leave um, and we, we look like we're going to be bringing uh, Jack Ginovan in. That's clearly an upgrade at the position uh, based on their, you know, previous form in the AFL. Like, Ginovan's kicked 58 goals, 30 from his career, 42 games. That's... That would be handy in this side. He's just a year removed from kicking 40 goals uh, in a season, in a 23-game season. If we're able to bring in players that just know where the goals are and know how to sniff it, he's done that at 19 years old. He's 20 at the moment. I think you know that's a no-brainer for me from a, le- a rebuilding uh, team's perspective. But I'd love to get your um, thoughts and opinions, Stuart, on, uh, on Jack Ginevan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, one of the things that we've been uh, speaking about and, and Brad you mentioned about uh, about Bennett and O'Sullivan and, and Sam Butler and maybe it pushes Sam Butler out competition's good we don't want uh, we, we're not at the stage where we're, uh, we're bringing people in to see how they go now's the time to start pushing to see see who the best person is for that role and if that means that Sam Butler has to uh, push up, train harder he'd be, he'd be looking at this right now thinking well now I have to actually work harder to get my role in the, in the team next year. I can't see that being a bad thing, having these guys under Bruce and possibly Gunston teaching them. It can't, it's all upside as far as bringing that competitive environment into those spots. Absolutely bang on, uh, Stu. I think that's uh, call of the day so far. Brad? It's a very good point. We saw it uh, last year. Um, the depth was pretty good. Box Hill, obviously made a prelim final, but there were quality players playing at Box Hill in the midfield, Ned uh, Long, uh, Cooper Stevens, who didn't even get a game um, in our, you know, in the seniors who we, you know, traded for from uh, Geelong, thinking he would be playing quite a lot uh, next year. Uh, Making the Ruck play, you know, played for Box Hill. Uh, Jai Sarong, who played in the back half of the year as well. Uh, Jekka, who was unfortunately uh, delisted. Fergus Green, uh, Lockie Bramble, and these guys... If it's going to push players to work harder, to earn a spot in the side, the top teams, Collingwood is an example, these top teams have probably each week 30 players that can play in the seniors, and that should be our goal uh, going forward. So hopefully the end of uh, next season, uh, Box Hill's in at least a prelim final. Again, they're going to have a really strong side, but it's really positive that there's going to be higher competition for spots. And I, and I think just taking from the, the conversation you had last night about uh, Jack Gunson or Fergus Green, 
Um, these these types of decisions aren't made for 2024 or 2025. They've got to be made for after that. And having having these guys all competing for that spot can't be a bad thing. 100% agree, Stuart. Appreciate your input as always. Dan, uh, jump on and give us your thoughts, mate. Dan, you've got to unmute yourself and go, mate. Sorry, guys. Got me now. Yeah, we got Great that. show as usual. Thanks for having me. Um, Ginevan's an absolute no-brainer. I think every side needs X-Factor. Obviously, Wingard's got it, but out for the year. Brocky potentially had it, but no longer on the list. So, yeah, I think Ginevan's at 20 years of age. Everything you've spoken about, a no-brainer. I'd even have no, no qualms with a second-round future pick for him. Um, I think Brandon Ryan, there's no way we should entertain trading him. He, even though he didn't play a lot of games last year, there was a lot to be excited about. And at that size, they don't grow on trees. Um, and I think the other one is um, with Gunston, obviously he can't be a number one priority at 32 years of age. But I think if we could get him for next to nothing pick-wise the mentorship that he could offer a young team would be invaluable. I guess the, the the question mark would be he'd need to understand that if the kids are beating the door down, that he may not be first pick. But I'd love to see Gunston back for his mentorship. Yeah, I think you touched on a really good point, Dan, um, that bringing in somebody like Gunston only helps for the long term. He's not... He's not necessarily there, you know, for a long, long time, but what he's able to potentially set foundationally uh, from a culture and a work ethic and, um, you know, a success perspective, along with his good mate, Luke Bruce, they can sort of set those cultural foundations for the next five or 10 years uh, for that next generation to be able to go, you know, and, and attack to try to reach the pinnacle themselves. So. I think there's. I think he helps us, Gunston, potentially on the field as as soon as next year if his body's half right, and I think he helps us even more so off the field. So that'd be one I'd be really keen to to get done as well. Absolutely. Um, Can I just slip one other thing in for for the twenty twenty four draft? A bit of insider information. Um, I went to school with the parents of Colby McKercher. He's a ripping kid. I mean, obviously, it's got to suit the needs of the team. But um, I can tell you firsthand that Colby McKercher would be a great pickup. I can tell you firsthand that there's two blokes in this chat that would be really, really, really stoked if we picked up Colby McKercher as well. And um, some of the info that I've had is that uh, he's a particular favourite of a senior coach at the Hawthorne Footy Club. AJ, did you want to add anything to that? That's the dream. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know how all in I am on Colby McKercher. I'm such a big fan of his. Um, these these t- folks just send Colby McKercher highlights in our WhatsApp chat. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, fellas, I know, I know he can play. You don't need to keep sending The Tasmanian factor definitely has a little bit of an influence on that from Nat and I, but he's a gun footballer. He's going to be really good. And by the looks of it, from what I've heard around the traps from uh, people connected to footy in Tasmania, he seems like a really switched on kid. Heads in the right place, really professional at a young age, and I think that's what you're looking for for someone. And as you said, Hawthorne, the senior coach wants him. That helps. Zane Littlejohn, who is our coach at Box Hill, he has a lot of connections back in Tassie as well. He's a former 
um, premiership coach back at North Launceston in Tassie. So he knows a lot of people around Tasmania and he would have been getting that information as well to report back to Sam when they're talking about development and things along those lines as well. Yeah, he's just um, incredibly level-headed, very mature, very grounded. You know, he comes from a great family. The other thing I found really interesting was that his mum said that he was incredibly loyal. So Tassie getting a team in the competition wouldn't be a factor if he started at a club and loved the club, the Tassie factor wouldn't be a factor because his loyalty is one of his, um, I guess, life uh, goals or morals. Yeah. Well, hopefully nobody from the North Melbourne Football Club are listening to this space because, um, you know, that that's I, I think that the only thing stopping the Hawks from even getting access to, to Colby McCurcher is um, a lack of a trade between West Coast and North Melbourne. Um, I think if North have picks two and three, uh, I think, unfortunately, McCurchill will probably end up end up in the the wrong coloured uh, stripes, unfortunately. But I uh, appreciate that insight, Dan. Uh, that's, that's good. No worries. Know. Thanks, guys. Beauty, mate. Uh, Pridgey, if you've stopped kissing Will Day's best and fairest Peter Crimmins medal, um, jump on and have a chat, mate. Thanks, Danny. Um, yeah, um, I, I think it's just with the Tasmanian thing, I, I feel like in a couple of years when Tassie does come in, they're going to be throwing everything at these gun young Tassie uh, players. It's going to be hard for them to turn back, regardless of how loyal they are. Or, I mean, you could say Gary Ablett was what you consider a pretty loyal person, but in the end, it was, the, the money in the end was just too hard to pass up. What do you think? Yeah, look, it's it's interesting you bring that up because that's that's uh, that was part of the conversation that uh, Nat, AJ, and I had in our in our WhatsApp group uh, probably about three quarters of the way through the season. Um, I said, hey, this is a guy we've got to be keeping an eye on, but I'm worried because you know in sort of three four years time, and every conse- uh, consequently year after that, they they're going to have a war chest early doors. The Tassie team, they're going to have you know better than Norse, Biggie, Nuon, War Chest. These guys are going to have a massive War Chest um, and they're going to be able to throw, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars at blokes who are new in the league and um, and it's a little bit of a worry from my perspective. But um, I guess all you can do is back your own culture to be able to hold players and those that those players want to be there. And if they don't, hopefully those players, whoever they are, if it's McKercher or... Uh, this space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Over at um, Frio that has been sort of earmarked as somebody that, um, you know, Tassie might um, throw the kitchen sink at um, as a potential leader or whoever the Tasmanian, I know Sarong's not a Tasmanian, but whoever the Tasmanian is that this Tassie team might look, look for, um, I think you just back yourself to retain. And if you can't, you milk them for all that they can give you. And what we've seen is that these expansion clubs, sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing to be the club with the player that these expansion clubs want because your ROI for that player can be massive. You know, you can really get a, hey, we'll give you three three first-round draft picks for this one player. And, and that if, if it's McKercher, there's serious value from a Tassie team at, at sort of having a core of Tasmanian players. Um, that can work to your advantage as a developing team. And just to, just to, oh, no. just to finish off, Will Day's uh, Peter Cummins medal tasted so sweet. <laughs> That's a little bit disgusting and creepy, but I appreciate it. <laughs> um, 
just uh, I've said this a few times. I've said this on this um, space a couple of nights ago. I don't buy it. The the go home factor with McKercher, I really don't. Um, and I've given you multiple reasons, but I'll add on top of that is that it'll be up to the club's culture to keep someone. And as you said there, Danny, you, you trust your own systems. If Hawthorne take him, Hawthorne will have no concerns about him going. They'll be saying, hey, we're going to trust ourselves that we're good enough to to keep this kid wanting to play for this football club. I also say with the Gary Ablett thing, the money, yeah, it was an influence, but I still to this day reckon that Cameron Lingby made captain probably played a fairly significant role in his decision to leave as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, Gary Ablett Jr. had a real desire to, to captain a footy club and he wasn't going to get that at Geelong. So, um, you know, being able to run his own race and be his own man really contributed to that move. Um, before we move on, Dom, did you want to add one last thing? Yeah, just a question for the Tasmanians and the McCurcher supporters. Um, I've got no doubts he's a really good character and a really good player as well. Um, but just from my perspective, is it concerning that the past two drafts we've selected midfielders uh, using our top 10 selections? And if we do indeed pick McKercher, that would make it three drafts in a row. And having a look at our midfield depth currently, um, you know, it's definitely not an area with the greatest concern. Uh, Ward and McKenzie are developing as well. I think I overheard uh, in a podcast Ward was going to train as an inside midfielder this preseason. Is it concerning at all with that depth, um, you know, that McKercher is indeed the the right option. Nat, did you want to field that one? Yeah, no, I get your point, and I've actually had this thought as well. Um, the counter to that is, I, as we've said, competition is good, and you can never have too many good mids, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's the way Carlton have probably built their list quite well. And the other thing as well is that, with probably the exception of Curtin, there's not really a player, because obviously Walter's going to go to the Gold Coast, he's going to get bid on, and then get picked up by the Suns because he's tied to them. There's not really like Dersma's another midfielder. Like everyone around that sort of area where we can pick isn't like a tall forward or a key back or something like that that we can actually use. So, I mean, Curtin, yeah, but Curtin's obviously a bit of a flight risk and I think West Coast will take him. Uh, sorry, I think uh, he's a bit of a flight risk and I think um, he's probably not as quite as good as the other two um, as well. So uh, I think you've just got to try and take the best available player, unless you really want to reach for someone like a Nate Caddy, but I just don't think he's to the level of where McKersher and Dersmer are. So that, that's my take. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think it's at, this, at that stage of the draft, unless, you, unless there are like comparable level of talents at positions of need, you just take best available. You work it out later. Um, you know, we've seen great teams just dominate because they've had um, a plethora of gun midfielders. Like, think about the West Coast team with Cousins, Judd, Kerr, you know, and so on and so on. Think about the Brisbane Lions three-peat team um, with, you know, Ackermanis, Voss, Lappin, Black, um, yada, yada, yada. You know, you can't have too many good quality midfielders. Um, and I think we were very lucky this year um, that we had very little injuries or suspensions other than wheel day suspension to any of our midfield guns. Um, and, you know, we can't expect that to happen 
year in, year out. There are going to be times players move. Um, you're definitely right. Josh Ward spoke to the insiders on the gold carpet about doing a preseason with the inside mids and, and transitioning into that role for next year. But who's to say that McKercher can't start on a half-forward flank or on a wing or something like that? And we know he's got pace. He, he's a beautiful, long left-foot kick. Um, so he's very versatile and, you know, wouldn't need to start out um, in the guts. It would be a transitional thing too there. So, AJ, did you want to add to that? I don't normally make a point of comparing a player who hasn't been drafted to a guy who almost won a brand load this year, but Nick Dacos started for Collingwood as a halfback flanker because they wanted to adjust him into the game first. I think that's something you can work Likewise on. Likewise with Harry Sheasel. Yeah. And same with Sheasel. God, he was good. Of all the Hawthorne supporters that we didn't get, that's the one that probably hurts the most. Cause he's an unbelievable that's the one that hurt player. the insiders the most, I can tell you that. Yeah, he's an unbelievable kid too. He seems like a sweet, <laughs> seems like a sweet kid. Um, but yeah, I you have that ability to move players around and start them out of position while you're figuring it out. And also, if what are we talking? Ideally, finals in the next two or three years. So we're talking um, really the two years of that. But a premiership window, three to four, four to five years away. That's when you start to have those kids who come into their own, and that's when having multiple really strong midfielders around having competition with each other is going to do nothing but good for this football club. 100%. Uh, Mick Cowan, one of our regulars, always a pleasure, mate. Uh, what are your thoughts? Hey, Dan. Um, you've got to keep in mind, we'll get McCabe too as a tall. Yep. So, you know, And potentially deer too. And deer as well, yeah. So there's a bit of height there. And the last couple of drafts haven't been that strong for height anyway. They haven't. So, and I don't think next year's looks like it is either. No, that's, that's the other issue. It was interesting. I heard McKercher on that um, gettable pod with um, Cal Toomey and what's it, Riley Beveridge. Yeah, and he was very keen to say he was a, he was happy to live in Melbourne. I think he's he's actually boarding at Scotch College. I think doing his, his schooling here, so he might have a taste of the um, the big city, so to speak. No disrespect to our Tassie friends, but um... oh, all disrespect intended. Go for it. That don't care. So you know, again, and. The point's been made. Pick the pick the best. And the other thing, you know, if you get some midfield depth, they actually use some trade bait in the future too. The clubs that do, you know, you see what's getting around for this year for some um, sort of average midfielder, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I actually think, and Nat's pointed this out in our chat. I actually think it was it might have been Riley Sanders that um that boarded over here in Melbourne. I'm pretty sure Colby stayed in Tassie this year and played for the Devils, but um. Uh, regardless, I think he did speak on the Gettable podcast and he he was super impressive. Um, and he actually sort of, he won me over in terms of, yeah, if he's available and we want to take him, I'm all, I'm all on board. So um, I appreciate your input as always, Mick, always very thoughtful. Um, we're going to move on because we've got so much more to talk about and it's already quarter past nine. Um, Brandon Ryan to Brisbane is one that come up out of nowhere. Um I want to hear, Brad, your thoughts. There's been some conflicting uh, news around it. Um, a future second offered by Brisbane for Brand Ryan, which is kind of crazy for a player that's played four games. One of them, which he was coming off um, an illness where he lost a few kilos and could barely run his last game of the year. Um, this is a 25-year-old unproven key position player. I, my first question is, Brad, A, do you do it? And B, what do you make of the report from John Ralph in the Herald Sun that the Hawks aren't interested even for a future second-round pick? Uh, 
I would do it uh, if we if that was the pick. Uh, Brisbane, by reports, have offered him a three-year deal. So if you're Ryan, you take that. You go to Brisbane, go to a really strong side. Will he play every week? Probably not. They've got Hipwood and Danaher, but they obviously rate him and see something in him. Um, Luke Hodges, obviously, there, as uh, we know, Grant Birchall's their runner as well, which has the Hawthorne field. Chris Fagan's obviously their coach. Um, it's an interesting one. I think he showed pretty good signs. He kicked three goals against Collingwood on the MCG. Uh, as you mentioned, he's 25. He's been in the in a football system for a while. But, you know, if he's been offered a three-year deal, if Hawthorne can't offer him that security, he would be mad not to put his hand up and go. And if we can get a future second-round pick, Brisbane are going to finish top four again next season. So... It sounds better when you say it out, like a future second from Brisbane, but that's probably next year going to end up being picked 40-plus. But I still think it's um, pretty decent. Uh, is he in our best 22? Probably not. I think he'd be fighting for a spot with uh, Denver Granger, Barras, Choles a lock, Lewis is a lock. So, you know, you're going to have either um, Brown and Ryan, Denver Granger, Barras, Ramsden's coming through as well. So if uh, Ryan goes, Ramsden will get more of an opportunity to, to play uh, next season. So will it be a loss? Yes, for depth. But I think we can afford to lose Ryan, um, especially if we're going to get Jack Gunston to come back. I think Gunston can probably play another two years as well. So, yeah, I, it's an interesting one. But um, I would let him go if we can get a future second-round pick. Anybody have a contrary opinion to what Brad just gave up? No, completely agree. Yeah, because there's a few people in the comments saying that they wouldn't trade Brandon Ryan and we should absolutely hold on to him. So um, obviously the depth is thin in that position. Um, but Brad, as you mentioned a while back, um, the thought is that Denver Granger Barras will do the full preseason as a key forward. So maybe moving Ryan on and getting that future second allows DJB to get a clear run at sort of what would be his last chance, um, you know, at, at the Hawks. Absolutely. I think we need to see DGB start the year in uh, the team and play, uh, you know, get a consistent uh, run of games. I think he needs to play at least, you know, you'd say the first six to eight games of the year. Uh, just to see whether or not he's got it as a forward. There is an opportunity there for him. We'll obviously see Lewis and Charles start as the keys. Um, if Gunston comes in, I still think there's room for Gunston and uh, Denver to play in the side. Um, we'll obviously have the small forwards in uh, Dylan Moore, Luke Bruce, and hopefully uh, Ginevan as well will be, the, I guess, our seven forwards in the side to start uh, next season. So, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting because we're going to have a a really different looking side to start um, next season. It is. And I, I think I only know one or two people that sort of anticipated this amount of changeover for the Hawks in this trade period. I, I certainly didn't see, I didn't see us not having six potential deals to do um, on the last day of trade period this year. I kind of thought it'd be a quiet trade period to be perfectly honest. What are you, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I obviously follow Brad on Twitter and he's a very good judge and very well connected when it comes to these things. He thought we'd be quite active. Um, so I had the thought, and given after last year when the Mitchell O'Meara um, deals kind of came out of nowhere in the last week, 
I always kind of thought that maybe something might happen. Do I, did I think that we'd have six live deals going into the last day? Uh, no. No, I didn't. Um, and I'm lambasting our ability not to get trades done early because it would make um, everyone's anxiety around uh, Hawthorne and actually getting deals done a lot easier. But I mean, I'll actually kind of like the fact we're active. I think we're, you, you can always improve. Um, we're at a spot where we can be quite um, flexible with our improvement, um, trying to get better pieces into the club to, to try and fast-track fast this rebuild. So I'm certainly not against um, us being this active at all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, being able to bring in some quality players like um, that can really help now, but also, you know, have the potential to build out that list. Um, you know, we've talked a little, we've talked a lot about Ginevan, but, you know, Marbio Chol being another one as a key, key tool target to be able to really provide Mitch Lewis with a partner that he hasn't had um, for the last couple of years and be able to chop out for Ned Reeves in the ruck and hopefully put an end to the uh, Reeves-Meek experiment, which we know just didn't work. Um, We've got a lot of comments in the comments section and a few of them I'll read now just because um, they are linked to the Ryan conversation. Matt Waitman says, Ryan hasn't even had an AFL preseason. Uh, he's got untapped potential. Why else would the Lions offer three years? Upside could be huge. I say hold him and send DJB back to defence. Doc Mansell says for a second round pick, I'm packing Brandon Ryan's bags for him. Um also, Matt Waitman says, uh, didn't Ryan recently sign a new one-year deal, which he did, and Mick says that, and that actually works to the Hawks' favour or the Hawks' advantage um, because he is a rookie, but he signed a new deal, so he's contracted till the end of next year now, which, unlike D'Ambrosio, allows us to then trade him and get bang for our buck, whereas one of the things we were going to talk about next was um, Massimo D'Ambrosio's deal looking like he can walk as a delisted free agent to the Hawks based on the rule um, in the in the CBA that the players um, have signed, gives the Hawks one less potential deal to have to do in tomorrow's by tomorrow's deadline. Mora, um, I'm sure you're up to date with, uh, with the D'Ambrosio stuff. Um, do you keep the offer on the table um, for D'Ambrosio or do you just withdraw it and work on other deals knowing that um, we can just walk um, D'Ambrosio to, uh, through to the Hawks as a delisted free agent? No, you keep it on the table. If you can get it done, you get it done. It's like it's like the ball that's sitting next to the hole on a pool table. Just knock it in before someone knocks it away. Um, but if, if Essendon's going to be belligerent about it, then stuff them. <laughs> so you're not, we're not going better than that offer because we don't have to. But if they want to do it for pick, what is it, 60-something, which probably blows out a bit because of all the things, hey, it, it's fluid. Um, but, yeah, we're not, we're not doing much better with pick 66 anyway. So if we, if we want to get it done before the lockout, great. Um, but, yeah, the pressure's all on them, which is also great. Yeah, absolutely. AJ? By choosing to reject a trade that then means we can just walk a guy, it might be the first time in history Adrian Dodoro has actually been helpful to the club. Um, I I guess we talked about it with Tyler Brockman and I, I pushed back on a couple of people, West Coast fans, they're just walking and pointed out that no, West Coast said that they would do the trade because 
it's the right thing to do. And footballing karma is a real thing. You don't know which play, you get, which club you're going to burn today that you're going to need in a year's time. I would say that if it was literally any other football club. So because it's Essendon, pull the trade and just walk in. <laughs> there, look, there's a school of thought of, of doing that and then, you know, you're able to, um, you know, move on and focus your attention elsewhere. I, I tweeted earlier today and I'm, I'm of the opinion, purely from a professionalism sake, you leave the trade on the table. They can take it. Uh, or they can leave it. It's up to them. We're not going to increase it. Like Morris said, we're not going to offer you more, but it's there for you if you want it. And if you don't, well, then that's your choice to allow him to walk um, to us as a delisted free agent. Other than, you know, aside from making that decision for the Bombers, I think that's that's the key thing there. Um, it says to other clubs as well, we are happy to do business. We're happy to pay market value, but we're not happy to be trampled with. And I think that that is a really good, sign of intent and a, and a real statement from the Hawks if they do it. So that's where I'd sit. Um, Nat, I want to chat to you about uh, Mabi Ochoa and Jacob Kaczynski because those deals have completely stagnated. Do you think they both get done and where do you think it lands? Um, look, I think they probably do. Um, I'm a little bit worried about uh, – I, I think Kaczynski will get done because I think um, – the future, I think we asked for a future third today. I think that's that's probably about right. So I think that when push comes to shove with a player um, requesting a trade, particularly with a club like Richmond, who usually have a pretty good track record of getting their deals done, I reckon that'll get done. With the Chol one, um, yeah, uh, I don't really know. Like, I'm a little bit concerned given it's been on the table for so long now and it, you sh- you'd think it was going to be a bit of an open and shut case, but it... it, it it's just not quite progressing the way it should. Um, saw that the Tigers with Kaczynski offered a pick in the 60s today. Uh, it's probably that's probably unders. That's a piss take, right? Like it that's is, as much yeah. of a piss take as us asking for a top 25 pick. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So they're probably, there's probably a bit of a tip to tap there. I, I think the us asking for a future third is about right. So I think that's where it will probably land with the Chol one. Um, I don't know. We're going to have a handful tomorrow, aren't we? So it might go down right to the wire. Are we still all holding out hope that that's going to end up being some kind of three-way trade between Gold Coast, Richmond and Hawthorne, that they all just get done together? I think that's what the Hawks want, where it's just a a future third goes to the Suns, maybe Ochoa goes to the Hawks, and Cozzy goes to Richmond. That future third goes from Richmond to the Suns. And I think that, you know, everybody can just sort of move on to the next deal and it sort of... Strikes two off our list at the same time. Brad, um, really interesting. Seems like the Gold Coast Suns are keen to help your Blues facilitate a deal for Elijah Hollins, but they're playing hardball on a contracted bloke who hasn't played a game all year or very little games all year, um, who's sitting on a fairly large contract. Um, and they're playing hardball with the Hawks. Uh, what do you make of that? Does it go back to the Tony uh, Cochran days with my man uh, Jaeger's deal, which was an absolute, you know, which he pushed us all the way down uh, to the wire with that one, literally the last minute of trade period when we got uh, Jaeger. I don't know why. I'm not sure what the issue is. The deal will get done. They're obviously trying to finalise, you know, there'll be sw- I'm sure there'll be extra picks swapped around. I think all the deals will get done. It'll take to the, you know, take to the last half an hour. But, yeah, Chol will get done. Cozzy will get done to Richmond. Uh, the D'Ambrosio one's an interesting one. I, I think Essen, what did they knock back? 
Do we offer 63? 63, or yeah. 63. So they either take that or, as uh, you said, he goes through the preseason draft. Uh, that'll get done. I think all the deals will get done. Ryan's the interesting one. If I think uh, my take on it is I think he's going to end up at, at, at Brisbane. I just don't know how he says no to a three-year deal. And I don't know how Hawthorne would say no to a future second round draft pick. I get it. Like he's got potential. He showed pretty good signs, but if it's going to help us, you know, with the pick to, you know, get uh, Jack Ginevan as well, um, I think it gets done. Yeah. Brad, you just mentioned um, Tony Cochran in there. Does that go down as one of the better moments in trading history is Cochran going on trade radio saying Hawthorne are going to learn that I don't bluff. And oh, then two yeah. days later, trading for exactly what we offered them. Oh, absolutely. I think he was a bit of a clan. He was actually really good for Gold Coast. Like he, uh, you, we know the struggles that they've, they've had, but he had a great personality, was always happy to speak in the media. Not always, you know, he didn't always say uh, the right things, but his behavior that trade period was an absolute joke. So it did backfire for him in the end. But I guess for us as well, you know, I wouldn't say that was one of our better trades in history. No, and we've, we've had a few of those. Mick, jump in. I was just going to say, Ryan going to Brisbane with Danaher and Hipwood, how's he going to get a game? You know, that's where his manager, I think, has got to sort of say things, you know, think about it. Because he's 25. How's he going to, you know, where's his better chance of playing, to be perfectly honest? Yeah, I think, I think you're weighing up, uh, I think you're weighing up, two fairly decent key forwards against the three-year contract, which is, you know, for a guy who's on a one-year rookie deal, a three-year, um, you know, full list deal would be pretty juicy for somebody like Brandon Ryan, who's come out of, you know, out of the VFL, Northern Bull Ants and, um, you know, local footy the year before that. Um, Nat, jump in. I know you had something you wanted to say as well. Uh, yeah, just on the Tony Cochran stuff, I actually, a uh, little anecdote, I had a mate that was playing at the Gold Coast at the time, and he tells the story about how, yeah, he just got up in front of the group and um, said his piece, quite emotional, um, you know, said it was really, really hard to leave, and he's walked out of, of the the room up on the Gold Coast, and uh, the door shut, and Cochran has come in in front of the entire group and torn strips off him, just absolutely say, you know, we're not going to cop this anymore, which I can kind of understand where he's coming from, but didn't really go very, down very well with the playing group. Tore strips off Jaeger, got quite personal. So, um, yeah, there you go. He wasn't, he wasn't a happy camper in the 2017-16, uh, whenever it was, uh, trade period. And if we put the Tasmanian hat back on for a second, Natty is not a fan of us. No, he's not. No, 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 he's not. He did come round, though. He did come round. He did vote for the team in the end, so good on him. Absolutely. Now, um, we have chatted about everything other than really – we've touched a little bit on the Gunson deal, but um, Mora, um, the one that's the most romantic of all the deals, and we talked about where he might fit in and how he might mentor the players. How does it get done? Very sensitively, I would imagine, um, because it kind of flies in the face of what we're doing. So we would have to make a concession philosophically to bring him in. Um, it, it's, I think, fine. He's, you know, he he's not going to achieve much on the field, I think, in his time at Hawthorne with where we're at and where he's at. Footballing-wise, it's going to be great. Um, 
because it's it's good for the list, I think, to have someone who's been there. I know we've already got Bruce, but he can't do it all by himself. Um, so yeah, from a from a leadership perspective and a list um, maturity perspective, it's it's okay, but it 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 does you know raise a question like how do we look Liam Shields in the eye and say, well, we got rid of you because because of where we're at in our list build, but let's bring back Jack Gunston. Why not? So uh, it's obviously different because we need a forward. Um, and at his best, he's still okay. I mean, he kicked, I think, six in a game this week, this year. It was probably against West Coast. In fact, I think it was against West Coast. But well, still. Everybody, everybody kicked six against West Coast. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's actually not true. Not everyone did. you still got to be pretty decent to kick six goals against them. So he's got something to offer. Um, and he'd be, um, I guess, a, a sort of a, that third toll in his, in his classical role. It's murky because, like I said, it, it kind of um, – goes against what we've been doing but it's not like he wouldn't play for us um and it's not like it wouldn't be great to see him running around in Hawthorne's colors again um it just i guess then becomes a case of whether um brisbane is prepared to accept that we're not going to pay heaps for him um they have to accept that and do what he wants if he if he really wants to come home yeah i i tend to agree unless anybody has anything sort of different to add on that on that space, I think, um, you know, the Gunson thing's a complicated one, mainly because it came sort of out of nowhere. Um, I don't think the Hawks went and targeted him, even though we've all seen the clip of Mitchell on, I think, um, AFL 360, um, talking about, you know, his desire to keep Jack when he left at the end of last year. Um, so, you know, clearly that wouldn't have changed in, in half a season. They'd, they'd have a that have a want and a desire to keep him on. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. And look, you know, the number 19 was never given to anybody. And I would happily, I would happily go to a football uh, match next year to watch Jack Gunson don the 19 for the Brown and Gold again, let me tell you. Um, we're getting Whitey on. Whitey, as always, it is a pleasure to have a chat, mate. Uh, what have you got to tell us? Make sure you take yourself off mute. Hello, boys. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? The only thing that come to my mind was that Jack Gunston start the talk with Jack Gunston, and Brandon Ryan only started when the Jack Gunston thing come through. Let's be honest, straight swap. Gunston's old, one year contract. Brandon Ryan's on a rookie contract, and he's getting a three year contract. They, we weren't talking about Brandon Ryan. We were talking about beauty. He's going to be staying around. But as soon as Jack Gunson come up, the Brandon Ryan thing come up. I reckon if that happens, they're going to straight swap him. I would be really, really surprised, to be honest, Whitey, because I think um, if it happens, the Hawks have no desire to move Brandon Ryan on. They haven't shopped him at all. Um, Brisbane, obviously, knowing that they don't have a lot of depth. They've lost Fullerton to Melbourne. Um, you know, Gunson looks like going to the Hawks. Um, they're, they're the ones that are interested. So they need to come and pay a hefty price. Whereas Gunston wants to return home to Hawthorne, um, we shouldn't be um, held over the barrel for that. So I'd expect if the Gunston deal happens, it might be a future fourth-round pick, something like that. And if um, if if the Ryan deal happens, it, it'll be a future second. Which So there's a pretty big price differential, um, you know, between the two players. So 
if we did a Gunson for Ryan swap, I think, you know, I'd have some serious reservations about what Mark McKenzie's doing. Um, yeah, but I wonder if part of the deal will be is that Gunston, um, they pay for some of Gunston's costs. Yeah, but why would we do that? Because we, we've got so much salary cap space, we could be taking salary dumps, you know. So if we're, we could happily pay Jack Gunston's $500,000 for argument's sake next year, and we'd still have room to, to spend the year after. So, you know, I think if, you, if you're going to tie it into a Brandon Ryan deal, you do Ryan for Gunston and a future second round pick, and then you just you, you sort of shake hands on that. So the Hawks get Gunston and the second round pick, for Brandon Ryan, but you know, it looks on like on Johnny Ralph's um, article in the Herald Sun this evening that the Hawks are pretty steadfast on keeping Ryan, and I know that that'll make a, quite a few people in this space pretty happy. We need space to be able to get um, the young bloke from Bulldogs next year when we take a ten-year, one-point-five million-dollar deal. Yeah, I, I think they'd still have it to be honest, Whitey. There's not many people on the Hawthorne list that are earning big, big, big bucks. Not yet. And if we. <laughs> No, there's not. But if we um, front-end contracts in the next year um, to be able to pay some of these guys that have given new contracts to, you can pay out more this year to have yeah. you know, future space in the, in the years going forward. So I think that it's pretty easy to manoeuvre around that space. But um, I appreciate your input anyway, Wadi, as always, mate. Thanks, boys. Beautiful. Now, we're going to start to wrap it up. We've got a ridiculous amount of comments to get through. So uh, I'm going to apologize in advance if I don't get to everybody's, but there's some cracking comments in here that I want to get uh, in relation to the um, in-betweeners, Ash's, uh, Ash's article that's coming out. Mick Cowan says Tony Woods. That's a fantastic, fantastic one. He says that'd be an interesting one to categorize. Whitey comes up with some gold. Anthony Rock and Darren Kapler back in the 90s. Those ones are great. Greg says Kepler and Johnny Barker, unless John Barker was more than serviceable. I, I would argue John Barker was more than serviceable. Um, Sean Pinnon um, says John O'Simpkin. Um, Ricky Henderson from Doc Mansell. I think Ricky Henderson's a really good one, but yeah, I wonder whether he was a delisted free agent as well, potentially. But, you know, AJ said that that's okay. So we'll pay it, and I think that's a really good one. Um, that's, I think, it for the names that I can see. Um, there's a lot of conversation about, around Brandon Ryan, um, you know, m meeting with Brisbane, um, giving up a future second, future second plus Gunson. I think we've covered most of those. Stalking says, can we talk about trading four for the West Coast future first? Um, if we want Jamara, Yugo Hagen, imagine us in 2025, with Jamara, we should be doing everything to make that happen. I think if you were, if you had an inkling that Jamara Eagle Hagen was happy to leave the dogs at the end of next year, um, you know, you'd almost you'd almost do that because there's probably not a better key forward to come on the market, young key forward to come on the market. Then Eugle Hagen, Nat, do you have anything to say about trading for for a West Coast future first? Would you do it or would you leave it? Uh, what? I don't know. Um, depending on the quality of the draft next year, I mean, I think that West Coast will finish bottom two next year. So you're effectively trading four for two. I'd probably think about doing it because um, you're going to get, let's say, one of the two best players in the under-18 crop in the country as opposed to what is going to be probably five by the time the Walter bid comes through. So, yes, I'd probably, I'd probably think about doing it, but that's without knowing exactly what 
would be available available to us at two in next year's draft crop? Yeah, it's a really good question um, from Matt uh, in the chat as well. How are we looking for list spots with all these rumoured trades to be done? Um, the kids we're about to draft, including the two father-sons, must be getting tight to squeeze them all in. Brad, it probably means that the guys that are waiting without a contract don't get one if all of these deals come off. That'd be fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately for Fergus Green and uh, Lockie Bramble. And Ned Long. And Ned Long, yeah. They were, yeah, those three. Ned Long, I think, is quite stiff. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, midfield has become really strong and uh, the depth is really, really good. Like Cam McKenzie, at the moment, is not even in our best 22. And, you know, we took him with pick six in the draft last year. So he's, you know, obviously got to come through. I spoke about this at the start of the year. A lot of people uh, disagreed, but it's going to happen. Uh, uh, Cooper Stevens cannot see him being on our list at the end of uh, next season. I just don't think he's going to uh, even play a senior game next year. Um, yeah, so the midfield depth is really strong at the moment. So, yeah, Long and Bramble uh, will go. And if Jack Ganston comes, even if he doesn't, I still think Fergus Green's in a bit of trouble. I can't see him being on our list. I think he'll play. Oh, hopefully, he you know stays at Box Hill. So I think he's a quality person, a quality VFL player. But I just don't think he's good enough to play consistently at uh, AFL level. Yeah, there's uh, there's uh, a few question marks on Long's AFL attributes. I think that um, make make his future at the club a little bit um, murky. Um, Doc Mansell's jumped in here and said, don't worry about next year for Bailey Smith trade. Uh, it's on tomorrow. Baz for pick four. Um, dogs to package pick four and pick five and their future first for pick one and get Harley Reid. So, listen, that if that happened tomorrow, I think this this uh, this hellhole that we call X would go into absolute meltdown from a Hawthorne um, perspective. I, I can't see it happening, but... Um, you know, I would not be against bringing in both Jack Ginevan and Bailey Smith. Would Our marketing people would be doing absolute cartwheels all the way up the steps at Glen Ferry uh, at, at Waverley tomorrow if that happened. Um, I think there's a couple of comments around um, uh, the Jack Gunson deal and, and, and the Liam Shields comment. I think the difference around um, Shields and... And Gunson is firstly that the Hawks really made it clear they wanted to keep Jack Gunson. And second, he plays a really unique role as a third tall forward where he plays a little bit small and a little bit tall. Uh, we don't necessarily have any of those banging down the door, whereas Liam Shields was taking up a list spot and a spot in the team that somebody like well, that would keep somebody like Cam McKenzie and Josh Ward out of the side. So I think there's the difference there. Um, both provide great experience and, you know, Liam Shields has gone and done some really good stuff for the Roos. Um, I wish him all the best, but I don't think we, um, I don't think we miss not having Liam Shields uh, on our list anymore. So uh, Doc also says we are going to have to overpay a little bit for Chol, but we did offer a long-term deal to him. If we overpay, I can wear it. If we get Mass, Ginny, Gunson and Chol in, overall it's a good trade period. Uh, Bailey Smith for pick four and I'd be over the moon. Um, yeah, Mick makes a really good point. He says, on, on the number of trades we're involved in, no one was aware of the Schultz trade and the impact that the pies, on the pies that that has created at the last minute. So that I think that's a really good thing to take into consideration. I know there was a report this morning as well, gentlemen, if you want to jump in on the fact that the Hawks and the Dogs had done due diligence on Lockie Schultz ahead of 
him be coming out of contract at the end of 2024. And with Lockie Schultz being in a similar boat as Dylan Moore, he actually always qualifies every time he comes out of contract as a free agent because he's been previously delisted and relisted as a rookie. So he can sign anywhere he wants at the end of any of his contracts. So, um, you know, good to see the Hawks doing due diligence there, but um, obviously the Pies swooped in and got that deal done and probably got a good deal for Frio, can, all things considered, if you wanted to return home. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry, Morago. Oh, I was just going to say, I would love to know at some point the process that leads up to a player dominating a particular club because there must be so much work that goes into it. And it, it could, there's probably, you know, six or seven different pathways that end up to it. I reckon there's a, there's a long form begging to be told. Well, we would love you to tell it, Mara. Uh, Mick? Just the thing on X today was um, Schultz is managed by TLA, which is Kelly's old group. So you just there was the supposition that they had the inside track on uh, his personal problems coming home. Yeah, that, I thought that was really interesting. I think it's good that you bring that up. I think that sort of, I don't know if it's it's not a conflict of interest, but like, gee, it was nice for the Pies to have that understanding going into the trade period and, and be able to sort of potentially have that conversation with Lockie and say, hey, don't wait till the end of next year. We'll get you over here and you can play in a premiership team. Uh, it's not a bad gig for, for Schultz at all. Um, oh, but the net, sorry, just on that, the net worth on. is so strong within clubs that, you know, yeah, it's inside a training to a degree, but everybody knows someone somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Peter says, can we roll out Warple, Finn and Nash when pushing for finals in the same team or are they lacking skills? Nat, your thoughts on those guys and how they might sort of phase in or out of the team when we're challenging? <sighs> I think it's a bit of horses for courses. I think, obviously, if the opposition has a gun midfielder that we want to shut down, um, obviously, like we saw um, with Dacos this year and when McGuinness went to whoever he went to against the Bulldogs, it was Libba originally and then Libba got knocked out um, and then he shut someone else out of the game who escapes me. Um, I think it's a horses for courses thing. I, I think there is a place, particularly Nash, because Nash brings such good defensive pressure around the ball. Like he's an absolute athletic beast. He's tackling his elite. He's a great runner. I don't think he really needs to be a beautiful kick, if you get what I mean, because he's not playing that sort of role. And if Warple's getting it 28 times, it's 28 times that the opposition doesn't have it. So, look, it really depends on how the likes of McKenzie, Ward, etc., um, come on, um, what that midfield mix looks like. And also, Connor McDonald in there as an outside midfielder as well, I think, can play a role. But... Um, yeah, I, th- I think it, without trying to get too many splinters in my bum from sitting on the fence, it really does depend on who we're playing and what the oppo um, setup looks like. Yeah, I, I think in two or three years' time, there's probably not space for all three of those guys week in, week out, like you've sort of touched on that. I think, you know, you'd, you'd do it depending on the teams you come up against. You might bring Finn in or you might bring Warps in or out, depending on how you other young midfielders develop. Ideally, I think somebody like Cam McKenzie takes Warps' spot in two years' time. Um, I think that's what you want. Ideally, you know, Josh Ward comes in and, and adds that midfield mix. And like you said, also, um, Matt, uh, Connor McDonald, I'd love to see running through the midfield in, in the next year or two. Um, I think that makes us an even better side as well. So um, we are going to leave it there for tonight. We've almost got an hour 20. Ash will kill me if I go any longer than this. Um, so I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who jumped in. We've had... 58 comments in the chat, which is unbelievable. We've had a bunch of people jump on and speak, ask questions. 
which we absolutely love. That makes these spaces what they are. I want to thank Bradley, uh, Andrew, uh, or AJ, Simon, and Nat for hosting with us tonight. You guys were unreal. And thank you to all the Hawks fans for jump on and make this what it is. Um, Hawks Insiders is only what it is because of the community um, that you guys turn it into. Um, and, you know, I think from the bottom of my heart and from everybody at Hawks Insiders, I want to give you guys a huge thank you. Um, Nat, uh, AJ, you wanted to say something before we wrap it up completely? Everyone spare a thought for Mark McKenzie tomorrow. That man is going to be busy. Uh, to, surely he's not sleeping tonight, Mark McKenzie. He's working. He's pulling an all-nighter, and, and, and he's going to have to. He's going to be working the phones till 3 or 4 a.m. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Strap yourselves in, Hawks fans. Tomorrow's going to be uh, a hell of a day. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. Um, we will be back here tomorrow night. I'm waiting on final confirmation from our special guest, um, but we will have a space for you tomorrow to break it all down, the heartbreak or the uh, jubilation, depending on which way everything goes. Um, so you can bet your money on the Hawks Insiders. We will be there. Um, if you would like to uh, subscribe, you can do that through our Substack, $5 a month, $50 a year. Uh, we've got plenty of articles coming. Uh, when all of these um, trades go down tomorrow, I'll put together an article wrapping up our trade period. Um, Brad will come out with his best 22 post the trade period. And it is going to potentially look very, very different from the one he did post round one. So um, strap yourselves in, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we will chat to you tomorrow night. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Bye for now. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Woody Club coverage.